If you want to grow your Twitter account fast, you need to do two things. First of all, you need to pick a niche. You need to pick a topic and you need to continue to talk about that and only that. That will make people understand whether or not they will get value from clicking that follow button. The second thing you need to do is to break their feeds. And I'm not talking about destroying them. <laughs> what I'm talking about is doing something that is different from what they usually see. You are listening to the Make and Market podcast. My name is Jens Lennartsson. And today I am joined by Craig Burgess, a great designer and an extremely productive content creator. And we are going to talk about how you can do just that by using or joining the visual Twitter. Before we start, if you haven't already, you should definitely subscribe to the Make and Market newsletter. Each week, I'll send a deep dive into a current marketing micro tactic. I'll show you what it is, who is gaining from it already, and how you can use it yourself to grow your audience, grow your mailing list, and grow your business. You can sign up now so that you don't miss the next issue at makeand.market. That's makeand.market. Let's get on with today's episode. Just to get everyone on the same page, when you say visual Twitter, what do you mean? What is that? Oh man, it's, you know, it's so new that I don't even know whether calling it visual Twitter is the thing that it's going to end up being called. I, I think the, the simplest thing to say is visual Twitter is accounts, Twitter accounts that are mostly consisted of images and very little else. The tactic that a lot of people are using right now on Twitter is uh, visualizing people's quotes. So mm -hmm. that that is the base tactic that a lot of people are using. It's not the only tactic, but you we're seeing a lot of accounts popping up where people are making a visual to go along with somebody else's quote. So in terms of visual Twitter in its very infancy, that is probably where it is right now. And why, why is it happening now? Why are so many new accounts starting with this? I, I, it's, got, I, it's got to be Jack Butcher. We're going to mention him straight away. Um, <laughs> Visualize value. That was the first account that I saw that was doing it in that particular fashion. Um, Visualize value basically visualizes people's quotes, uh, other famous quotations, or at least that's where it began. It began. Um, visualizing quite classic quotes, uh, stoicism quotes, things that are from a very long time ago, and then modernizing them with visual images. That was the first instance I saw of it being done that way. But that's that's discounting a lot of the other things that have gone before it, particularly on Instagram. So for example, the idea of making a visual out of a quote is something that Instagram has been doing for a very long time, but it's usually words, isn't it? It's usually somebody just lays out a quote visually, but just with the words. Visualized value was the first one I saw where they it was interpreting the quote rather than just writing the quote out again. So yeah. it, it's it's the conversion of something text based to something visual based, not just repeating the quote. Repeating it and actually adding value to it. Yeah, exactly. Converting it really into something else, something surprising often, oftentimes. And, if, and the reason for why it's, why one of the reasons why visualized value grew so big, I guess that is because Twitter is seen as a text medium. Like you write 
your tweets. It's you, you're supposed to write your thoughts. You're supposed to share them uh, written. And when you do something different, it stands out. Yeah, absolutely. It stood out straight away because everybody else is writing text on Twitter and suddenly Jack comes along and starts making beautiful black and white images. So it stood. It stands out in people's timelines. A lot of people are using similar tactics now with their words to make their tweets stand out in people's timelines. They'll be spacing things out massively. So you're seeing it quite often now where people type a sentence and then put a space and then a sentence and put a space and they, they kind of write this massive paragraph to make people's timelines be full of one tweet. So people are using different tactics to fill people's timelines up. But the particularly the visual side of it, Jack came along and did something quite different. And obviously that always appeals to people, doesn't it? You instantly follow an account where it's completely new. You want to get on the bandwagon because you've never seen anything quite like that before. And it's, it's very easy to, um, at the first glance, you know what it is about. It's something different. He's got the black and white pictures, really simple, just basically just lines. Mm. And when you see it, you click through to his, to the account and you realize this is what it's all about. And you can decide right away. Yes. I like this. No, I don't like it. Yeah. And you should do that with whatever account you have, whatever you are talking about on Twitter, you should be, you should pick this kind of niche making it really, really, really clear the one thing you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The visual visualized value account is images and nothing else. Images of classical quotes. It's starting to shift a little bit now, but the idea is still very simple, very focused, very niche. You follow it for one reason, and then you probably don't unfollow because, that you, you know, you're following it for the same reason. It hasn't switched to anything else. Mm. Mm. I think one of the other things to mention as well about this growth of visual Twitter now and people making accounts that uh, are visualizing other people's content is there's, and I think this is why visualized value is so popular and why I'm finding popularity with the things that I'm doing too is you're not spoon feeding somebody the answer. So when you are making a visual of something, the person who is consuming the visual and the text at the same time, you're asking them to make the connection in their own head between a visual and some text. So it doesn't feel like it is just uh, another Twitter platitude. It doesn't feel like you're getting all of the answer. You're being asked almost to meditate on an idea. So you, you see the visual and you're being asked to make a solve a puzzle, essentially. And if you solve that puzzle, once you solve that puzzle, it makes you smile because <laughs> oh, that's, that's so clever because you've worked it out yourself. You haven't been told what the answer is. It's like working out the punchline to a joke yourself or something like that. It's much more powerful. And also with the visuals, it just hits somewhere deeper in your brain. I don't know the psychology behind that, but it, it, it definitely just, it hits deeper than just reading the words when you see a visual. Yeah, I mean, it, it may, first of all, it makes you stop because it's a visual. It's something different from the text. And as you said, when you have to figure it out yourself, it forces you to actually stay with that tweet for longer. Mm. So you, you, you can't just read it and you say, okay, and you, you, you go on. You have, you have to stay there, figure it out, which makes you interact with the account longer, Yeah, which means you are uh, building a connection with that account. Yeah, absolutely. You're making a, a more, a stronger connection, a much stronger connection, because it's uh, it's almost a heart connection. It's not just a mind connection. Once once you've gone past that fact that you're just consuming the content, you with the power with the visuals and the text and and you figuring the connection out, is that suddenly you'll be seeing this. Uh, particularly if we're talking about classical quotes or somebody else's quote. You were seeing this quote that you might have heard a million times, but then a visual has been connected to it, and you can't disconnect those. And every time you see the visual, you think of the quote, and usually they're quite inspiring quotes or, or something that you want to remember. So once you've seen the visual, that's it. It's just stuck in your brain, and you want to keep coming back to it, or you might want it as a, a phone screen or, or your desktop on your computer or something like that. It's a super powerful way to 
hack inside somebody's brain and make it stay there. <laughs> you mentioned your own projects. Uh, I was, I mean, we started our visual accounts, our first visual accounts quite at the same time, mm-hmm. uh, a few months back. Uh, and now when we talked about doing this uh, podcast, I went back to you, your account and I saw that you added at least two other visual accounts to, in your profile. <laughs> so can you just describe these, talk about these different projects you have? Yeah, so, well, first of all, I'm a designer. So my day job is to sit and make visuals all day long. So it's a natural progression for me to make mostly visual accounts because it shows my skills as a designer and I actually enjoy it too. It's a, it's a fun project and it, it helps me work through ideas quicker, helps me get quicker, helps helps me connect ideas much faster and ultimately I can take those skills back to paying clients and improve my own design skills. So number one, it, that's kind of the reason. It's the reason for any side project that I've done and Jesus Christ, I've done a lot of them over the years. But <laughs> the reason I do the visual accounts, uh, so I started with the Produce More account, which is classical quotes, a little bit like the idea behind visualized value. It's classical quotes um, that I visualize, but the difference is the way that I approach things to what the way that Jack approaches things is that I'm all about the visual connection. So finding something witty inside an idea and then making a, a visual against it. A lot of mine are quite playful. A lot of them have got smiles in them or there's usually a playful slash clever idea inside them that you've got to find. So I'm all about trying to make that connection with people. Um, the the thing with visualized value is that it's uh, very, very, very minimalist and that that's the way that Jack wants it. So I started Produce More. It was the first account that I did just to try out the idea and just to test ideas every day. I call them design meditations because it lets me look at a quote and then think about it quite deeply for 10 or 20 minutes while I'm making a visual. And that's that's good for me as well as good good for a user. But more recently, I've started to switch it to start to um, visualize other people's Twitter accounts. So uh, if I see a good quote on Twitter, I'll usually visualize it on Produce More as well. If I, if something just hits me and I see a visual, I just I visualize it. And, and that's the, we'll probably get onto it in a bit, the old, apprentice uh, permissionless apprentice idea thing people just love seeing you visualize their ideas I've, I've never had a negative from anybody with those they just love love seeing it so that's why i started the first one mainly to pr- improve myself and then the the other one that i started more recently is in fact i only started it about a week or two ago and um, let me just shut that door is my cat. My cat is screaming. <laughs> um, the other one I started a couple of weeks ago is is rap lyrics. So visualizing rap lyrics because I like rapping, rap music. So I thought, well, I'll start visualizing rap and that's just called seeing bars. And then the third one is, is my agency. So Genius Division. Uh, but that is just visualizing elements out of the articles that we've written. So it's it's not strictly a completely visual account, but I'm just utilizing or trying to utilize some of the ideas in a more professional environment to see how, number one, how this could be utilized for some of our other clients. So how you can take a purely um, non-commercial idea, really, and turn it into kind of a more formal environment for a client. So I'm trying to figure that out with the Genius Division account. That's my main goal for that. But the main one that I do every day is produce more, really. Let, let, let's stay at the Genius Division, because that could be inter- interesting for a lot of no-code uh, startups, entrepreneurs. How, I mean, you've only been doing it for a short period of time, but how how is it turning out? What can you see already? Do you hear that? Oh. <laughs> I locked my cat in. Hold on. That I thought I'd locked him out and I locked him in. Uh, yeah, so what can I see already? Um, the approach that I've taken for that is our our approach is write a series of articles every couple of, excuse me, write a series of articles every couple of weeks. 
and then I make a couple of visuals around those articles. Um, my long-term goal is to start making quite a, a visual Instagram account as well to go along with the articles. So the visual stuff is kind of on the back end of the stuff that we're doing at Genius Division. I'm, I'm going for the idea of making a long-form piece of content, which is an article, and then chopping the article down into visual posts, which will be posted on Instagram. Um and also on Twitter. In terms of engagement and stuff like that, it's too sporadic at the minute for, for, for me to really realise anything. But when I do retweet them to my personal account, they usually get quite good engagement. Again, it's because of the visual side of it thing, I think, that people just connect to the visuals a little bit better. So I've been combining a visual with a quotation or a series of quotations from the article to try and pull out the key points. Um because I, I like the process in kind of a more f- formal, traditional kind of marketing process. I like the process of having a big piece of content and then chopping it down into smaller pieces mm. because it gives you a lot of room to play with the idea. Mm. So I, I'll write a bigger article and then my eventual plan is to make it into a podcast too, so just to talk, to just narrate the article basically and then put them on Instagram and then put them on Twitter. I'm probably about... 35% of the way through that plan at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, it gives you a lot of lot more results using visuals, but it takes a lot, lot more time. Yeah. So I know that with Produce More, you also have uh, an Instagram account where you post the the same content, basically. Yeah. Um, I guess you need to do that uh, to get all the results that you can from the the time and the energy you put into it. Yeah, I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I've spoken to a couple of people who've got uh, more visual accounts. Some of them do really well on Instagram, and some people do really well on Twitter. For me, I've done a lot better on Twitter than I have on Instagram. It's, it's literally half of the amount of followers I have on Instagram, but it's because I don't like Instagram and I don't interact on Instagram, and I don't play any of the engagement games on Instagram. Whereas on Twitter, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm retweeting the tweets from the other account to my own account. So it's it's natural that I'm going to get a, a bigger boost on Twitter. Um, you do, Yeah, you kind of do have to play play the game. I am literally paying lip service to it with, with my account. I've just got an Instagram account, and I'm doing nothing else with it. Um, I, I know... Some people sometimes pick one or the other. I know um, another account that's really popular called Logo Archive. I know the guy that runs it. And he just posts single images of logos on there, classic logos that he's redrawn and recreated. So logos from the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and things Hmm. like that. He's got 150,000 followers on Instagram. Um, And I don't think he's got a Twitter account. Uh, no, sorry, he has got a Twitter account, but he doesn't do it the same way he does Instagram. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, for me, I often do, unless the idea is um, making some kind of carousel of images. Early on, I, I made a lot of carousel images for Instagram, but then they didn't work on Twitter. So I, I, I drew back quite a little bit on, on that. The other thing that bugs me with Instagram is that it is, uh, in terms of search engine optimization, it just doesn't appear in Google at all. So you, you you create an account on Instagram and you can have a huge account on Instagram and it barely appears in Google. I think they're starting to change some of that now because I've noticed they've started adding uh, the ability to add alternative tags in there as well. So text-based versions of the image of those images that you add. But Twitter is much more readily indexed in Google than Instagram is. So you, you're kind of in Instagram's walled garden and I'm not sure how I feel about that especially since it's Facebook as well. <laughs> uh, you mentioned it before, the permissionless apprenticeship, which I've been using on all my posts almost um, yeah. on Make and Market. And it's really, really powerful to, to, to combine that with the visual. So as you said before, permissionless apprenticeship is when you take something from that someone said or someone done and you repurpose it and make something more with it. Like 
a quote or a series of quotes or anything like that. Uh, and I, that was also that also originated from Jack Butcher, right? He's a wizard, he's, man. He's a wizard. He, he's the one who coined that one. <laughs> yeah. And using, I mean, combining these two, I've found it really, really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's super powerful. Um, I think right now the king of this on Twitter is a chap called Justin Michaelay. Um, his Twitter handle is J Michaelay. I don't know if you're going to have any podcast notes or something, but yeah, I add some links. Yeah, put his link in there. He's he's got. I'm just looking at his Twitter account now. He's got nearly four thousand followers. He's fairly new to Twitter, um, well, new to using this tactic anyway. Um, and what he does is he takes, and it takes him such a long time, he, he, he's a former speech writer, so uh, he's used to taking other people's words and turning them into something more powerful. So he takes big accounts, so Ed Latimore, for example. He took Ed Latimore's last 3,000 tweets and searched for the biggest ideas inside his last 3,000 tweets, and then made a thread of it on Twitter. And his his threads do amazing, amazingly well, because he's taken the, the permissionless apprentice idea. He's taken Ed, Ed Latimer's tweets and other people's tweets, uh, and he turns them into something more than what it used to be. So that's the key to the idea, really. The same as what you're doing on Make a Market, it's taking somebody's simple idea and turning it into something bigger. And they're almost, in my experience, probably yours too, they're almost guaranteed to retweet it and share it because it makes them look good, but it, hmm. it, it makes you look good too. You can talk about yourself without talking about yourself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something that Justin does really, really well. And the the if you can tip the balance like what Justin does, if you can tip the balance where it looks like you've done a huge amount of work for free, basically, mm. they're almost guaranteed to DM you, to retweet you, to to want to do more work with you, uh, just because you, you're just doing so much, so much for nothing, basically. Absolutely. I, 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 love, I love his stuff. I... And yeah, well, I, I can only imagine at the time it has to take him to do that because yes, for making market, I'm usually doing three super simple images with the four, four images with like the four main points in our blog post or the four main points of a thread. And it takes me hours. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he's, just, he's, he's spending days on those. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He is spending days on them. Um, I'm telling him, that he needs to make books out of them. He needs to make something that he can sell out of them. Um, I keep pestering him to do it. We're getting there. He's, he's thinking about the idea. Um, but I, I just find this idea fascinating where you take somebody's small idea and then you turn it into a bigger idea and then potentially you can turn it into another bigger idea or a product or something like that. So with, so with Justin, he's taken... 3,000 tweets of Ed Latimer and others, and then he's made a tweet thread, and then he could make an email, which he always does. He makes an email out of it. But then you can make an ebook out of it or something like mm. that that basically shows the greatest ideas of so-and-so, and then you can potentially sell that online or you can partner with the person you've made it for. And I just love the idea that you can take a simple idea and turn it into something completely different and improve it on every level as you're going along. I mean, he, he's, I mean, he's, even though it doesn't have a product right now, I, if I'm not wrong, he's doing the right thing because he posts, I think he posts like a third of the entire work in a thread and he, he, he links to a, blog post where you can read the rest of it and i guess in the blog post he asked he tell people that if you sign up for the email, my email list you'll get the next one uh so first of all they are so massive it would be <laughs> too big for a thread even so he needs to put them the rest in a blog post but then he asked people for their email address and then 
he's got a way to keep in touch with him. He's got a way to uh, offer something to sell when he's got it. And I mean, if you're going to start a visual account, if you're going to do a permissionless apprenticeship, you, you should from day one have a way for people to opt into your mailing list. Uh, let's talk about how you can take the next step and monetize uh, a visual account like this. Like how can you go from posting visuals for free, you can, you're growing your account, you're growing your following, and suddenly uh, what, 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 what can you do? How can you move from there to actually making money on an account like this? What do you have? Do you have any examples to, to share? Uh, well, the obvious example against Jack, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, we should we should call him and yeah. have him join this discussion. Yeah. He can just yeah. say it himself. <laughs> I, I mean, the the obvious path to to any of this is to tell people how you're making the visuals. So you uh, either make some kind of course to tell people how you're making the visuals, and when we're talking about a specifically visual account, um, that's what Jack did with Visualize Value. And it was a very successful course because everybody saw his images and they were like, well, how is he doing these? So we made a course to show people how to do them. So that's the most kind of obvious way. But once you, I think the power of having the visuals is once you've got the visuals, they can be turned into so many other formats. You can turn them into downloadable wallpapers if you wanted to go down that route. You can turn them into a calendar or something like that with with a quote for each month you, your your world is literally opened up because you have an asset that you can do anything with basically if you've if you've made the visuals in the right way and you know enough about that kind of thing you've got an asset that's probably much more powerful and valuable than you maybe think it is i know i know you have had people approach you asking you to visualize their quotes right yeah. Would, do you think it's a good idea? Could it be an idea to do like promoted visuals? Like someone pay you to make their stuff visual? I, yeah, absolutely. I've been a designer for 15 years and doing the Produce More account for f- three months. I've had more leads in those last 15 years about design work on the internet at least than I've ever had in my entire career because they because they can immediately see the skill and the speed and the thinking behind such a simple idea. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas when I've had portfolios in the past where it's been full of my uh, work and it looks like everyone else's design work, whereas when it's something completely different, it doesn't look like anything else that exists out there. So, yes, you can go down the route of also doing design for anybody else that's mostly what designers do anyway that's they're a job in design mostly um that's a simple way to do it i've had several people approach me about making books um using images in books and things like that after i went and made the press start book which is a combination of the visuals and some text so that is that serves as an example of how it can be used in, in other mediums too so it it just it really opens up your career, especially if you're if you're a visual person already, if you're a designer or something like that, especially if you're new to your career, this is a, a brilliant way to build a portfolio that's way more valuable than any other kind of portfolio that you've probably built in the past. And it's I mean I I always tell people whatever it's about, I always tell people to pick a niche, pick a do one thing really good. And I mean with with the uh, uh, your account, you have, and Jack's account as well, you have one style, you're doing one thing, and I'm sure out of 100 people, uh, 99 of them w- don't need that kind of illustrations, that kind of illustration work, but that one person out of 100 uh, finds it exactly what they're looking for, and they will almost 100% uh, DM you, they will get in touch with you because you they you are doing exactly what they are looking for. You're doing exactly what your style is exactly uh, is a perfect fit for them. Yeah, and because you are sticking to that one, 
you'll keep finding those people. Yeah, absolutely. You're building a brand in real time, in public, that people can see every single day. You don't often get a chance to show that process as a designer. Or, yeah, no, maybe you do get a chance to show the process, but people are not interested in the process. Hmm. So I've got case studies where I've done massive branding projects, but nobody's interested in in reading it because it's quite <laughs> dull and boring. But if you figure out a way to make something in real time, in public, showing you building a brand, it's the work is the same, but for some reason in people's minds, it's much more powerful. So if, if you can work out a way, and this applies not just to design, but in any in any kind of medium, if you can work out a way to build something in public and show everything that you're doing, the project is much more valuable than a case study that you've done in the past. Hmm. Just because people can see it as you're doing it and you are proving your skills every single day. Even, I mean, even, even if you're not a designer, I believe you can use this to your advantage, use, use a visual approach to your advantage. I'm not, and I will tell you more about that, I'm not a designer. I'll tell you about the, the painful process of, of, of finding the style for make and market. <laughs> uh, but as I know you believe it too, I believe you should, uh, you should grow your audience first. Uh, before you you create a product or before you make an offer and even if you're not a designer if you choose a specific topic for your visual account like with my own make and market i quote uh founders uh, makers entrepreneurs i i i i i distill what they have said and make it into bite-sized pictures. And that will attract a certain kind of people, a certain target audience, mm -hmm. people interested in, in, in entrepreneurship, people interested in, in startups, making, making products, selling products. And when I have that audience all interested in the same topic, I could then create like you said, courses, uh, books, uh, whatever it is, on that specific topic. So you don't, I, don't, I mean, this is a, a golden opportunity if you are a designer, but even if you're not a designer, I do believe you can, you can uh, gain a lot from, from use, use, using visuals. Yeah, I think you made an important point about, about niche there. And I think when people hear the word niche a lot, I mean, people say it so much. I think people are, are turned off to it now, which is unfortunate because it's true. But when when you say niche to somebody, particularly when I say it to a client, they're often thinking, right, well, I, I only need... That means that I can only make these widgets for, I don't know, for the steel industry, for example. They see They see the idea of niche as a very one track that it can only be solved in one solution so they think right well it means that i can't do any of this other stuff and obviously they always say well what about the money in the other place what about if, if i'm only making widgets for the steel industry i'm, I'm not going to be making any money from the other industries but then there's also the other way to look at the niche which is exactly as you just described then it's you're making content for a particular audience it doesn't mean that you have to obviously say that you only work with one kind of industry that is one way of doing a niche but the the, the niche idea is is purely you focusing on one thing it doesn't need to be one industry or, no. or one thing it's just becoming known for one particular thing um there's a lot of subtleties to it that I, i'm not sure some people sometimes understand i don't know if you have the same experience I mean, I, 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 am with you. I mean, you, you could, you could choose a, a, an industry, you could choose a title to work towards you could, but I mean, as you said, the most important thing is to do one thing very well, and you could also do it very well for one specific, uh, industry or one, one specific, uh, kind of person. But when, when, I mean, the thing, the thing when I talk about it, if there's, there's a few things that is for everyone, like toilet paper, carbonated water, salt, 
you don't want to be that. You don't want to be no. toilet paper. You don't want to make toilet paper because they need to spend like toilet paper companies. They need to spend billions of dollars each year just to uh, be in the minds of people when when they go to the store. Absolutely, yeah. As your as your niche expands, the more it costs you to appeal to that industry because you're appealing to literally everybody. I I have a I have a an, a, a a first case example, it, the Produce More account that I did, nobody, and I've had messages from people asking me to do visuals for them in the style of Produce More, no other designer in the world right now could do those. Well, they could copy them, hmm. but there's only one person that people are going to contact if they want the style of that. Hmm. And you can do the same in any industry. It doesn't just have to be visual. If you are becoming known for that one thing, just like Justin Michael A becomes known for the big ideas thing, if you become known for that one thing, you are, as they say, you are literally in a market of one. There is nobody else doing it and nobody else can do it. People can copy you, but you were the first person doing it. And not everyone will, not everyone needs it. I mean, as we said before, yeah. like if out of a hundred people, one uh, might wanted but it's the perfect fit for that one mm -hmm. and if you expand that one out of a hundred to the entire world there's a lot of potential clients a lot of potential customers yeah i kind of look at it as having several highly focused small audiences <laughs> rather than one huge audience yeah so you you don't necessarily just have to build one thing it's just that the one thing that you build has to be focused to one audience. Hmm. And then you could go away and build something else as long as it's focused to the other audience. I think building a highly focused small audience is much, much easier than building a Gary V type audience, which is just not accessible to most people. Me, me or you are never going to build a 5 million followers audience on YouTube, hmm. for example, or on Twitter or on Instagram, because we just... As, as, as solo on, uh, solopreneurs, as single people, even if we've got a couple of people behind us, it isn't enough. It isn't enough, uh, in, you know, work for us to be able to do it. When you build, I mean, when you start building a small audience and when you do something really, really, really um, defined, when you have that small audience, they will start to become your, uh, ambassadors they will start growing your audience for you yeah absolutely i've every single time nearly if somebody follows me on produce more account they come over to my main account and follow me on there because they've they've been introduced to me through another project but they like the way that i look at things so they come mm. and follow me on twitter so you, every small audience that you build builds your bigger audience as well, mm. your your less focused audience. The way that I do it is that I, I just have twitter.com forward slash Craig Burgess and then several other Twitter accounts that are all f for focused projects. And then it, when somebody enjoys one of those projects, they inevitably come and follow me. And then they, they see, Jesus is doing all these other things as well. And then they go and look at those things as well. And then you become known for the individual thing, but you also become known for making a collection of good things mm. yeah i mean you have uh you have produced more and that's very defined and then as you said when you go to your profile you see other projects but they still have a common denominator you are you 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 are starting to become the the visual twitter guy like because you have four projects connected to you mm. they look different but they all have the same they are all built on uh, a common idea, a common, um, a common thought, a common theme, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My common theme is the way that I see design. It's formed from a book called A Smile in the Mind. Uh, the book's fantastic. Uh, the book, A Smile in, in the Mind, is all about making witty design, so design that makes people smile, basically, or design that makes people think. And that's the, the big idea that I push across any of the visual stuff that I do. It's making somebody think about a piece of design. It's not just aesthetically pleasing. And sometimes it isn't. The point of it is, is to make them think about the idea underneath it. It's not mm. just 
the visual, which I'd appreciate is quite an advanced thing for people who are looking to get into design or make a visual account or something like that. They probably wouldn't be able to think at that same level. But um, I, I, like you said, I'm trying to become known for making visual stuff. So it, I'm playing a different game. If you're becoming known to be a writer or something like that, you have several writing projects instead that might include a, a, a bit of visual stuff. I'm interested to hear, hear from you, though, about the difficulties of making a visual account, because obviously I can't relate to that at all, because mm. it's just the thing, it's just my job, so I, I'm, I've got so much experience. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you about it, because you are a designer, I am not a designer, I was a photographer for 10 years, uh, I, I can see when something looks good, but I can't really make it, yeah. I don't know how to... Uh, put together a, 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 a pamphlet or how to um, like, I can't, I can't visualize the end result. I have to do like trial and error. If I, if I'm creating a website, I might look at one, one other website that I like, and then a s second one and like pull things together. And I step back and I take a look at it and it's like, does, does it, this look good? Or if it doesn't, I don't know how to change it to look good. <laughs> I just try something else. So with that, with the make and market, I knew I wanted to do something that is different from, well, Jack's account and all the accounts that are that try to copy that one just to change a, 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 a just change the color or something like that. Uh, but I wanted to, to pop, I wanted to make it look like nothing else. And I n knew I needed to make it really, really uh, simple, like minimal. Yeah. I needed something that would go as a red thread uh, through all the, the posts. Um, so, so I have this, I have this gray color that I'm using uh, for a lot of projects. Uh, I know the hex code uh, by heart. Uh, so I started by using that one as putting, and I, I'm actually using Canva. Yeah. Uh, I, do, I do have Illustrator. I do use Photoshop. And, but I use Canva for this. And then I found this, I have this, uh, this web page where you can download free icons. So flat icon. And I started to, 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 to try certain fonts, certain uh, icons, certain colors. I spent like a week doing this. And so I, there's no, I can't give anyone like, this is how you do it. Mm. I guess I got lucky in the end. I just found something that looked good. I tried it and I tweaked it a bit. And it turned out great it turned out good i mean good enough yeah it, so, looks, it looks good yeah thank you <laughs> a lot of sweat behind it uh so i get i mean you, let's talk about how you can how you can do it yourself in a good way so obviously if you are a designer you should probably have something you like and you probably know how to make it look good yeah. When I, I literally look for quotes that I get the idea for in my head straight away. Mm. So I, I have the idea before I even go into Figma. So learning that skill is very difficult. That takes a long, long time. That's, that, you know, that's taken me 15 years to develop. So that can't be the solution for you if you're not a naturally visual person. So you did go down the right route of using some kind of stock icon library. It's a great place to start. Canva's pretty good too. I uh, I personally prefer Figma. They're not the same tool. Figma is 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 essentially an online version of a vector drawing program. So hmm. it, it's a kind of a it's it's the online version of Sketch. And if you don't know what Sketch is, it's the kind of the online version of Photoshop. I guess you'd probably call it. Whereas Canva gives you a lot of stuff to start with. It gives you a lot of ideas and things like that. So 
Canva is probably a good place to start. But the one of my favorite places to um, find stuff quickly, if if I'm making a, a social media post for a client or something, there isn't the budget there to make unique stuff. I use a website called The Noun Project. Uh, what is the URL? I think it's nounproject.org. So the noun, yeah, sorry, the nounproject.com it is. So the nounproject.com is a website where people make symbols and vector images of any idea you can think of in the world. So if, if you put into the search box on that website, you will get back probably 50 or 100 different images for the thing that you're looking for. Mm. And they're free to use where if you attribute them, if you tell them where you got it from. You can also pay for a subscription, and I think it's $100 a year or something. It's worth its weight in gold, I think, for $100 a year because the amount of use that you'll get from it, it is a million times that because a lot of the icons are fantastic as well. Um, it's being constantly updated every single day. So the noun project, I think, is a secret for, for people who are trying to understand visual stuff. The I, I do kind of want to say that you should take some kind of visual course, but I don't really know what I'd recommend. Obviously, Jack Butcher's course is brilliant, but it isn't about learning the basics of graphic design. And I think just as if you are a social media person, you should know some basics of HTML and CSS and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think as, a, as an online marketer, you should know some of the basics of graphic design and stuff like that. So I don't know a resource off the top of my head, I wish I did, that teaches you the basics of graphic design. But understanding some of the basics of graphic design is, is really important. So how colors fit together, how you can make sure they don't clash, how the use of shapes works, and some of the basic fundamentals of, of graphic design. There's a ton of stuff on YouTube that you can find for free uh, on this kind of stuff. It is worth spending some time doing it because we're seeing these visual accounts get more and more popular and it's never a bad thing to add a visual to a tweet or add a visual to an, uh, to a Facebook post or something like that, even LinkedIn, because it just it gets into people's brains quicker. So... Yeah, I'd recommend looking at Noun Project, learning some basics of graphic design. You want to be looking at things. Um, the the four basics to look at it is uh, called the the I call them the crap principles. Some people call them the carp principles. That is, uh, if you just Google the carp principles, C R A P, contrast, repetition, alignment, and proximity, you'll get a bunch of articles on what those four things mean. And they'll kind of set you down a path of learning some basic rules of of what to do. And I think don't go too ambitious as well. Like what you've done with the Make and Market account. Even if it might have took you a long time to arrive at it, you you didn't overstep yourself, did you? You didn't try to make unique visuals for every single one. You understood your limitations straight away. Sometimes I see people who aren't visual people trying to make the same things as what somebody like me might in 15 years' experience you won't be able to make custom stuff. Mm. So find a good resource online that, like the Noun Project, that means you won't have to make custom stuff. How, how, how do you make your, I mean, this, this, this space is, as you say, it's growing. I mean, half a year ago, you couldn't find almost any accounts like this, but just a few, the last few months, they are, they are popping up uh, like never before. How do you, if you want to get into this space, if you want to create uh, your own visual account or you want to make your existing account more visual, how, what should you do so that, first of all, you don't copy someone else, you make sure it differs from what's already there, and what should you do to make it interesting for people? Uh, an account that is really, really simple, that's still interesting, that I think anybody could achieve tomorrow, is uh, one on Twitter called Micro Wisdoms. Uh, that's currently about, I think it's 2,000 followers. Uh, a project by Jake, who I follow on Twitter as well, Jake Haynes. Um, that, that account is literally black background with white text over the top of it, and it is just the quote. It is the most basic kind of visual account you could find. 
I think that the key is to find a style that suits you and don't try to copy somebody else. That's basic in basic forms, that's finding colours, that's finding some colours that fit together that work well that aren't the same as anybody else's because it's the colours that people will spot. And the more restrained you can be with the colours, the quicker it'll mean that somebody spots it, for example. So if, if all of your posts are bright red or something like that, they will stand out to, against everybody else's because it won't look quite like anybody else's. And then make sure you're consistent with your typography as well. Go to Google Fonts, pick a font that you like, that looks professional. Keeping it simple is, is the thing. Keep it simple and even more simple than you think it should be. I think Micro Wisdoms is a perfect example of that. It's so simple that it looks basic when you look at it but it's wor- it's working for Jake and it means that he can he can pump out a lot of content and as we know social media re- rewards the prolific you can't just be doing this thing once once every four weeks you've got to be doing this a lot more regular than that so you need to find a way that's simple that you can continue to achieve over a long period of time and for me it's a unique colour and some unique typefaces, and you don't really need much more than that. I, I, I hope everybody starts doing it. And it, it's it's becoming a massive trend on Twitter at the minute, and I think it's it's a good trend. Some of the other things that I'm seeing, uh, the platitude trend and the way that people write tweets really annoy me, but I'm, I'm, never, I'm never sad to see another visual in my timeline. <laughs> Words of a designer. That was the amazing Craig Burgess and you can find out everything about him and what he is doing. Just go to getdoingthings.com And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the Make and Market newsletter. I'll send out a weekly deep dive into a current marketing micro tactic. So if you want to grow your business, grow your audience, grow your newsletter, make sure to go to makeand.market and sign up. Makeand.market and see you next week. <laughs>